We read from God's word this morning from the first chapter of Luke. The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Good, thank you, Hilary, very much indeed. So this is Jesus, and this morning we think particularly of Jesus as the Son of God as we go on further into our Christmas series. This is Jesus, is the headline, and uh, the themes for the various carol services are on the details on the back, uh, Saviour, Light, Gift, and Lord. So something of this theme will follow through in each of the services next Sunday and through Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. This is Jesus, the Son of God. But let's reflect first a little bit on Mary herself and the circumstances in which she came to conceive the child Jesus. My apologies if you've seen that before, uh, but I have to admit it is one of my favorites and somehow every time it just seems to ring so true. The story of Mary is quite remarkable. An angel came to her and told her that she would become miraculously pregnant, that the child she would bear is none other than the Son of God. Utterly incredible. From our scientific point of view, we can't work it out. From the social perspective of the time when she was not yet married, it would have seemed a huge disgrace. And yet in this extraordinary moment, we have one of the greatest miracles the world has ever seen. I'd like us to think just for a moment about Mary, but then also to consider what the words of the angel to Mary say to us about Jesus, the Son of God. But let's start with Mary. To whom the angel came 
and announced what was going to happen. And Mary responded, how will this be? That was Mary's question to the angel. And of course, it's the question of many people today who find this whole story very hard to understand and for many just impossible to believe. And Angel Gabriel's answer was, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And that opened the door to this incredible mystery of the personal union of God and humanity. Something utterly unique, totally incredible, phenomenally powerful. In the words of the Creed, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Here was a moment when God, made him, when God himself made a new beginning in history, in the history of his creation. Jesus Christ is not a savior emerging from within human history, but God in person intervening from outside human history. Here is deity and humanity coming together as one. And it's not just the account in Luke of Gabriel to Mary that speaks about this most amazing moment in this way. We call it, of course, the incarnation. That's the kind of technical word that uh, sits behind this moment. And it is Luke's story that tells us, if you like, the narrative of Mary, of the angel coming to Mary and so on. But the essence of what happened is widely recorded. Matthew records how an angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Same message, this time to Joseph. And Matthew also links this back to words from Isaiah that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. John, in his gospel, uses different language to say the same thing. He talks about Jesus as the eternal word, there from the very beginning, and then how the word became flesh. There it is. And lived among us. And the apostle Paul uses different words again, Speaking of Jesus being in the very nature God, but being found in appearance as a human being. In the very nature God, but found as a human being. Deity and humanity brought together as one. The eternal word really did take on human nature. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, God's aspect, born of the Virgin Mary, human's aspect. Fully human, fully divine. And that is the key. And holding together the full humanity of Jesus and the full deity of Jesus is absolutely essential to our faith. It's only because Jesus was totally human and totally divine that he could complete, he could achieve that complete forgiveness for our sins and offered to us the gift of eternal life. 
But all that was incredibly challenging for Mary herself. And I'm sure as you think yourself or try to think yourself into Mary's shoes as I try and think myself into Mary's shoes, isn't it striking that Mary showed such a remarkable acceptance of what was happening to her? That a response to the angel was an indication of this. I am the Lord's servant. May it be according to your word. And then just a little bit later on in this same passage, we have what is called Mary's song of praise, or sometimes known as the Magnificat. Mary's amazing acceptance of what was happening to her, which she then expressed in those uh, wonderful words, my soul magnifies the Lord, glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. I think there is a sense in which God was carrying Mary while Mary was carrying God. God was holding her. God was keeping her in that place of calm acceptance and surrender to the purposes of God. No matter what anyone else said or thought, no matter what she was thinking and feeling inside, God was holding her. Mary speaks to me of someone who had a remarkable and calm acceptance of the way ahead, which she could not understand, would not have chosen, but willingly embraced. And of course, as we go on in the story, we know it wasn't easy for Mary at any stage in the life of Jesus. And if we follow her story all the way through to the time when she was a witness of the crucifixion of Jesus, and that deep pain that was piercing her soul, all the way through, it was a challenging journey. But right at the beginning, Mary comes to that complete moment of surrender when she responds to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. And so before I go any further this morning, I want to ask, does God need to bring you to a merry moment today? I don't know all that's going on in the lives of many of you. I might know a little bit about some of you. But I am aware of some of those challenges around us at the moment. Personal challenges, family challenges, circumstances that are very difficult to handle. And in addition to our personal challenges, we had to that the challenges of our nation at this present time. And in the years ahead, particularly as we think about the impact of the election on Thursday. And then we think also of the very significant challenges to the Christian community in our worship and witness at this time in bringing this amazing message that is so, so important but seems to many people so utterly irrelevant. The path ahead is not an easy journey. And it may not be what you expect or what you desire but you and I can come to that place of surrender as Mary did. Place our lives in God's hands and pray with Mary. May it be according to your word. May the unfolding of my life, whatever it looks like, in the context of home, family, church, nation, 
may it be according to your word. That's Mary response is does God need to bring you to a Mary moment and to say that this morning but our primary focus is not on Mary important though she is it is on the child that she bore Jesus and so we move from Mary to Jesus whose kingdom will never end because there are some amazing descriptions of Jesus in this passage. And sometimes when we focus on Mary in the story of the virgin birth and think about all of that, we actually miss what the angel Gabriel said to Mary about Jesus. And actually what the angel said about Jesus was more important than anything about Mary. Here are some of the amazing descriptions of Jesus in this passage. Verse 32 and verse 33. He will be great. He will be great. Clearly this is no ordinary child. And the greatness of God's work in the world is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. The greatness of God's love and the greatness of God's power. Both evident in this moment of incarnation. Now the greatness of Jesus was not seen in his military domination as some people were expecting at the time nor in his stately lifestyle, which some might associate with a great person or someone who is described as a king. Now, the greatness of Jesus was seen in his deep humility, in his unending compassion, in his divine wisdom that he brought to so many different situations and people, and ultimately in his unique sacrifice. Here was his greatness. It was showing in a very different way. But it was greatness indeed. He will be great. That's important for Jesus. But we need to remember that earlier in this chapter, when the same angel appeared to Zechariah, it was said of John the Baptist that he would be great in the sight of the Lord. So the term greatness is not unique to Jesus. It is certainly relevant to Jesus. But if all that the angel said to Mary concerning Jesus was that he would be great, that would just be putting Jesus alongside John the Baptist or maybe Elijah or the prophets or, or other people like that. But the angel went on to say more. He was more than great. He was the son of the most high God. This is what sets Jesus apart from all others. That he will be great, said Gabriel to Mary, and he will be called the son of the most high. At his baptism, a voice spoke from heaven. This is my own dear son. I am pleased with him. On the Mount of Transfiguration, the same response, here is my son, listen to him. The question put by the chief priests and the teachers of the law in Jerusalem after Jesus was arrested, are you the son of God? Was answered phenomenally by the centurion at the cross who said truly, this man was the son of God. 
And the familiarity of the nativity story can easily obscure this remarkable truth that enshrined within this fragile baby in the manger of Bethlehem is none other than the Son of the Most High God. No less than the Son of God. What else did Gabriel say about Jesus? He will be great. He will be the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He was the promised Messiah. Ever since that line of kings in the Old Testament came to an end, there was a strong expectation that the Messiah would come, who would be the greater son of David. Some of those other kings you might describe as the lesser sons of David. But Jesus was the greater son of David, who would come and rule over the people of Israel. And this was happening now. Jesus is clearly linked to the line of David. Matthew's Gospel sets that out, particularly in the opening of Matthew's Gospel. That's the bit of the nativity story that we don't often read because it's a long list of names and difficult to pronounce. But in that, what's called the genealogy of Jesus, the line of Jesus is traced back to David. Nevertheless, Jesus the Messiah was not really the kind of Messiah that many people were expecting. Many of the Jews were expecting a military ruler who would set up an earthly kingdom greater than that of David. But God had different plans. The true Messiah came in humility. The true Messiah had nail-pierced hands. He and only he was the real fulfillment of the promises of God. He was the promised Messiah. But not in the way that many people were expecting. And sadly, many people missed that truth. And sadly, many people miss it today. Perhaps not because they have an expectation of Messiah, such as the Jews had at the time of Jesus. But they have a whole different worldview that does not give space for God intervening into this world in the form of a baby who is the Son of God, the Son of the Most High God, and the Messiah, the Savior of the world. But this is what we stand for, this is what we believe, and this is what is right at the heart of our faith. And the final thing that was said about Jesus in the message of Gabriel to Mary was that his kingdom would never end never end wow that's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is actually different to what many people had expected but Jesus in his teaching later in life explained what that kingdom was all about it didn't have geographical boundaries it wasn't just for one particular nation it was a whole new way of living for everyone who believes in Jesus a kingdom that was inaugurated in the ministry of Jesus, that was developed in the early church, that is evident across the world today, and one day will come to completion when Jesus returns in power and glory. This is the great kingdom of God which will never end. And where human kingdoms rise and fall, as they inevitably do, 
the kingdom of our Lord and Messiah will remain firm forever. And that is the clear message of Scripture and our fundamental anchor and hope today. And what I find so amazing is that all of this was said before even Jesus was born. We're talking here about the moment when the angel came to Gabriel to tell her that she would be pregnant and would give birth to the Son of God. Before ever Jesus was born, all of this was said about him. That he will be great, that he'll be the Son of the Most High, the promised Messiah and that his kingdom would never end. I spoke earlier about God bringing you today to a Mary moment. I wonder, does God also need to bring you to a Jesus moment today? Discovering in a fresh way who this person really is. Coming to that place of commitment and surrender to him. In a moment we're going to sing the song, By grace alone somehow I stand. Boldly I approach your throne. I want to invite you to do much more than just sing this song. To actually do what it says. This song invites you, invites me, to be gathered into the arms of Jesus. To be welcomed into the arms of the majesty. The king of kings, the promised Messiah. To be gathered into his arms. This moment of worship as we sing this song could be a moment when the Spirit moves powerfully across the congregation today. As you and I are gathered into the arms of Jesus. And actually we recognize that right at the heart of the Christmas story is the one whose kingdom will never end. And we're invited to be part of that when we're trusting and believing in Jesus. And that makes all the difference to the way that we live every single day. So don't let these words pass you by as we come to sing this song. Let their meaning sink in. Let their truth sink in. Allow Jesus to gather you into his arms that today, as well as being a merry moment of surrender to God's will and purpose, is also a Jesus moment of discovering the strength and the power of his kingdom ruling in your life now.